Well, hello, everyone. I'm Shannon Chedester, if I haven't met you. Um, my husband, Pastor Aaron, sends his greetings. He's up in the mountains camping, and I'm thankful I'm not there because I am not a camper. <laughs> I used to be because it was all we could afford, and it was vacation, but now I send them off. But no, it's a dad camp. It's the first annual dad camp here in Kauai, and so they're going out there and camping and bonding with the kids, and God bless them. <laughs> Um, I made sure Hannah had clean clothes and soap to maybe shower. I don't know. Um, but they should have a great time. It's a Christian camp, and I know this morning they're having an amazing service where they're going to um, have the dads pour into the kids, and so I think that's just an amazing time. And um, next year I'm sure it's going to be even bigger, and it's going to keep growing, and we're going to just encourage our dads to be a part of our kids' lives. Amen. Well, we are speaking on the, time, the signs of the times, which when uh, Aaron asked me to speak, I was just like, oh my goodness, that's quite a topic to teach on. And I felt a little, a little bit overwhelmed. And then he did the intro, and then I felt really overwhelmed because it was so good. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. But you know what? God created me as me, and I'm not going to try to do anything different. And um, you know, last week we talked about deception and just learning the truth and being able to put things against the truth and see if it's real or not. And I just felt that was very encouraging for me. And even preparing this message this week, I just, I felt like the, the Spirit was just speaking more of that even to me of, um, of truth in my life. And so I was encouraged last week. I hope you guys were too. But today's big picture point is even when we are surrounded by wars and natural disasters we can find peace and confidence in who God is and what he is doing amen and so when I read that that's my topic I'm like okay I can talk about peace I got I got that because that's something that I've dealt with my whole life with anxiety with um, struggling you know not to panic because I'm just more anxious than the average person. Some of us are, and we just think of the worst-case scenarios right away, and, um, and that's okay. That's who God created me to be, and he gave me this message so that I can figure out how to not always be so panicky. So we're going to read from Matthew 24. The, that's kind of our verse of the or chapter of the, I think it's 24 and 25 of the series, but I'm going to focus on six through eight. It says, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nations will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all of this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. It was funny hearing Aaron talk about birth pains the other week when he shared that. I was like, yeah, you don't really know what a birth pain is. You kind of like saw me go through it, but trust me, you don't know what a birth pain is. But um, I think that's just such a great example because um, all of us women are like, oh, I get it. Because when you are on your first child and you have a Braxton Hicks, you don't know what a real contraction feels like. It feels pretty real. But then when the real thing comes, you know. <laughs> and I just think that's a God... You know, or Jesus, when he spoke this, he used that as an example. And I think even his di disciples understood because, you know, birthing's been around since the beginning of time. And so people could understand that, how it gets quicker and stronger and faster. And as I was praying about this this morning, God kind of um, 
changed my message a little bit, and I, I don't like when he does that. <laughs> I like when I have my notes and I can just read my notes, but um, I'm going to follow my notes pretty well, but I just felt like God was saying, don't focus so much on the wars, the natural disasters. And I have three pages of that, and he says, don't focus so much on that. Yes, speak on it a little bit, but I felt like God was saying it's kind of like... Um, when you're given your testimony, people say, don't focus so much on your past and who you were. Focus on who God has made you to be now and focus more on that. And I feel like God's saying that this morning even about this. Stop focusing so much on the negative and let's focus most of this morning on the positive. So we all know what war is. It's been around since the beginning of time. I mean, the moment sin came into the world, hate came into the world, and people get angry and hateful, and that causes war. And so we all know what war is, so I don't have to really necessarily get into that. But Jesus is saying that it's going to get bigger and more um, intense. And when he was saying that to his disciples, it was actually a time of peace at that time. And so they were kind of like, well, we're living in peace, Jesus, you know. And... Um, Wars did start getting bigger, but the thing about war is now that it's not just one little city or one little even country. It's just it becomes worldwide. It becomes more powerful because of technology, and um, we have enough nuclear power on this world to destroy the whole world. I mean, it's kind of scary and terrifying, and if you're not a Christian and you don't know what's going to happen, it's very terrifying to live in the time that we're in right now. And, you know, war leads to famines. It leads to plagues. Um, we just had COVID-19. We still have this. We understand what plagues are. But that's more of a common thing of being worldwide now, too. Before, it was just in one little area because it didn't really spread past, you know, a city or past a little area. And now it travels around the world because of transportation. And it started in World War I when the soldiers brought home the Spanish flu. And that was kind of the first big outbreak that was more worldwide. And so we understand what plagues and famines are. We understand what natural disasters are, especially here in Hawaii. We have flooding. We have hurricanes, volcanoes. We kind of know what natural disasters are. And um, I remember I was nine years old, so I was Hannah's age. And I you know, grew up in Arizona, but we would go to Big Bear, California, for camp every summer. And we'd have, like, cabins that we stayed in, and it was just a fun time to go and... Um, I remember it was right before dinner, and we were kind of in a lobby area. They had vending machines, because I remember I had fresh dollar bills that my mom sent me to camp with, so I wanted to get a soda to go with dinner, when all of a sudden an earthquake hit, and it was, let's see, I think it was a 7.3, and it was a very long earthquake. Sometimes they're just a few seconds. It was two to three minutes long. And I just remember the adults rushing us into the cafeteria, putting us under the tables, and just the fear that like overcame me. I was just like, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. And as a nine-year-old, that's you know what you think. And then about three hours later, they finally got us in our cabins, calmed down, and we had a little bit of aftershocks, but um, we were kind of getting ready for bed, and another one hit. And this was like a 6.7 or something. And it felt just as strong because they later discovered it wasn't an aftershock. It was another earthquake that was right close by Big Bear. And so by then, I'm just like, I'm not going to sleep tonight. And then the whole night, I think three of us slept in one bunk. And we just cried ourselves to sleep and would wake up to aftershocks. And I think at like four in the morning, there was a five point something one that really shook us. And then we weren't going back to bed. And I remember we just like, let us go home. Thankfully, my parents were at the camp. They were doing the older kids. So I could at least give my mom a hug. But I just remember that put such a fear in me for years to come that I didn't even understand. I would have nightmares about it. And um, I can understand 
understand what a natural disaster, all of you that lived through the hurricane that came, it just, you understand that fear that it causes. And Jesus is saying it's going to get worse. <laughs> and that can be overwhelming to hear, that, to think that the natural disasters are going to get stronger and bigger. And um, I know for me, I just am like, whoa, that's kind of scary. But God wants to say, how do we not panic how as Christians can we be the example to the world of not panicking? And it says in Philippians 4 through 7, it's a great scripture. It says, don't worry. This is 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all what he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. And then one of my favorites is John 14, 27. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. God's peace is something that the world, they can't understand, they can't create. It's only something that God can give. So I have three points of how do we find God's peace or find peace in God? How do we, how are, you know, I'm sure there's lots of ways, but these are just the three that I want to share that were strong on my heart. Number one is God's promise, his promise. One day war is going to be over. We know that um, there's going to be a coming peace when Christ returns. We know that he already has the victory, that he's already defeated the enemy, and we can rest in that, and we can find peace in that. When, when we get overwhelmed and afraid of what's happening, we can remember that we have eternity with him. And I think that's something that we kind of need to just think about sometimes because we get so wrapped up in the news. I mean, how many of us read the news every day? You know, 100 years ago, even a couple hundred, they didn't have the news where they could, you know, look up news from Africa every day. You know, we, they didn't know what was going on. It came eventually sometimes through other people, but they didn't have that stress that we have. And I think technology has kind of given us extra anxiety over what's going on around the world. And um, not that it's bad to read the news or to find out, because it's, sometimes it's a great way to pray for people and, and to be aware. But if you feel anxious when you're reading the news, then maybe you need to stop. I know I don't read the news very often. Aaron loves the news. He loves to read it and he loves to talk about it. But I, for me, I, you know, I read it every once in a while, but I let him tell me what's going on more than anything because I don't, I don't want that extra stress because I just don't need it. Um, we find peace in number two in his presence. You can see a theme. They all start with the letter P. God's presence. I think this is an important one. And I know that God promises that he'll be with us in hard times, good times, bad times. And he's given us the best gift. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And because we have the Holy Spirit, we can have peace at any time. And I know for me, when I feel anxious and I'm feeling stressed out about something, I have to say, okay, when was the last time I was in the Lord's presence? When was the last time I just was still before him? The last time I read my Bible, the last time I prayed? And a lot of times that's just like a, almost like a trigger in me, like, or a sign like, oh, I need to go spend time with the Lord because I'm allowing this to rise up in me when I don't need to. And um, I can tell you that if you just go into his presence and just lay it at his feet, 
it may not go away. You still might, you know, be worried about something a little bit, but it takes just the, the heaviness off of you. And it's kind of like you're giving it to the Lord. I mean, it doesn't take away the wars and the natural disasters, but it takes away the stress on us. It says in Joshua 1.9, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord, your God is with you, where, is with you wherever you go. And then Isaiah 43.2, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. God is with you. And that's something we have that the world doesn't have. They don't have the Holy Spirit. If, they, if they're not a believer, they don't have the Holy Spirit. They can't have that peace. Number three, as you can tell, I have paper notes because I don't trust the digital. <laughs> and I can make them, print them really big so I don't have to use my glasses, so I have really big font. <laughs> um, number three is God's plan. His plan. We can find peace in his plan. Jesus knows what must and will happen, and he's coming right on schedule. Everything's happening according to his plan, his master plan. He, he designed it. He created it. And, you know, if you're a person that likes to be in control and you like to plan things out, um, that can kind of be like... Well, I know God has a plan, but I have a plan too. And, and we, we work hard to get our plan to happen. And sometimes we just have to surrender and say, nope, it's not going to happen the way I envision it. I'm going to trust the Lord that it's going to happen in his timing. It says in Isaiah 26, 3 through 4, you will keep in perfect peace, perfect peace, all who trust you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. We can trust in his timing. One of our key scriptures, it's right out there in the hallway if you haven't seen it yet, but it's Ephesians 2, and it talks about peace. God created us as a masterpiece. That's part of his plan. Each one of us has a specific purpose, a specific plan, and that's beautiful because we can rest in that, we can have peace in that, that you know what? I'm who God created me to be, and that's all that I need to stress about. I don't need to stress about, um, you know, everything else going on around the world, but I just need to focus on what God has for me right now and who I'm supposed to minister to. So what are we supposed to do with this peace? So if we feel like, we, okay, we, we got it down, we're going to figure out, you know, we have this peace that God's given us, what are we supposed to do with it? That's been kind of the theme of, of this series is um, we can read about what happens in the end time, but what are we supposed to do with it right now? Like, how can we use it in our lives right now? So the first point I have is the title of the message is called Keep Calm and Carry On. And I don't know if any of you have heard that before, but it was the slogan that was created in World War II by the British government for their people. And they had, you know, the signs hanging all over the place. And um, they actually started hanging them up before the war even really, like, you know, got big and even had come over to England. And they just wanted that to go out to all their people. And during World War II, the bombing hit um, BBC Network, which is their big network. Back then it was just radio. TV, or not, TV wasn't, I guess, big back then. Um, and I remember, I read about that it was a nightly news show and the bomb hit directly on the studio. And so the people listening heard the explosion and then they had silence. But then all of a sudden, 
um, his name was Bruce Belfridge, who was like the voice of the news. He came back as calm as can be and just continued to read the news like nothing else happened. And his purpose was because he didn't want um, the enemy to win. He didn't want the enemy to, de- to put the panic in him and put that on the people because they were already dealing with their own bombings all around them. They were building, you know, the alarms going off and um, he didn't want that. He wanted to put the peace out there and he wanted to keep calm and carry on. And I think as a Christian, that's a great thing that we can do that, you know, when we're hit by a bomb, I mean, things happen in our lives. Um, if, if it's the future, where I'm talking about natural disasters and things like that, or if it's just in our own lives, if we're, some news comes in that's overwhelming to us or something that's really hard and we're just ready to, you know, freak out of, over it. We can keep calm and carry on. And the reason when we do that, the world sees it and they're like, what is going on with that person? How can they be calm And I, when I know their situation? And we don't want them to let the enemy win. The enemy wants us to panic. The enemy wants us to lose our focus on, the, on God and start looking everywhere else. And that's his, that's his plan. And we can say, nope, we're going to keep calm and we're going to uh, get that calmness to the people. It says... Um, in Hebrews 6, 18 through 19, so God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. An anchor we all know what anchors do, right? They hold a boat into place. And think about that. The hope and the confidence that we have in God is our anchor. It holds us. Even when the storm gets crazy, we're still holding, you know, held on by God with that anchor. I think that's a, a beautiful description in Hebrews. So we're going to keep calm and carry on. And what else are we going to do with that peace? Well, that scripture says we're going to be confident in God. We're going to be confident in what we know about God. God does not lie, and we can have peace in that, that he, that he is always the same. He never changes. But we can be confident in, number one, we're going to keep with the peace because we can, is God's protection. We can be confident in his protection. It says in the word that he's our shield, our fortress, our hiding place, our keeper, our refuge, our rock, our shade, our shelter, our stronghold, and the list can go on and on. We are surrounded by his presence. He's always with us. And we can be confident that he's protecting us. It says in Psalms 27, 1 through 3, The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. In Psalms 46, 1 through 3, This is a song that we actually sing, but it says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea, that the oceans roar and foam, let the mountains tremble and the waters surge. Even back in Psalms, God was speaking to us about the earthquakes and the things to come and to stay calm and we can be confident that he's going to protect us. 
And I know that some of you are like, well, but what about the people that have died? That's the first thing I think of. If he protects us, then why do we die? Because we live in a sinful world and we're all going to die. And that's a hard thing for us to kind of balance the protection and that we're still going to die. But the, the main thing we can be confident in is what? Is that we're going to heaven and our eternity is promised with, with Jesus. And I think that's the biggest protection is that we're protected for eternity. The next one is be confident in God's pardon. Pardon, if you don't know what that means, it's forgiveness. Think of the president. He gets to pardon people, which he can let them leave prison and kind of their, their sins are forgiven. And so we can use that towards God too, that he pardons us. The moment we confess our sins, the moment we do, and we believe in him, we're forgiven. It says that as far as the east is to the west, that he doesn't remember our sins no more. And we can be confident in that. Disaster can produce encouragement and hope. So when disasters happen, when natural disasters, a lot of times it's a time that's kind of like ripe for um, salvation. Like people are hurting. People are looking for hope and encouragement. And that's when we as Christians can rise up and share the gospel to people that are just kind of just ready to hear. And an example is um, in Acts 16. It's an earthquake happens, if we probably all remember that, where the earthquake shook open the doors and for Paul and Silas who were praying in prison. But you know what, Paul and Silas didn't, they didn't, uh, Silas didn't leave. They could have just walked out and left the prison, but they stayed. And it doesn't say exactly why they stayed, but I'm thinking the Holy Spirit told them to. And they stayed, and what happened is we're going to read in Act 29 through 34, the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. As they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household, even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. So God used an earthquake even back in the book of Acts, to get the jailer's attention. And God cared enough just for that jailer to get his attention. And, and his whole household got saved that night because of that earthquake. And they, he saw the power of God through that. Number three, be confident in God's perspective. His perspective. God knows the beginning to the end. And sometimes we need a fresh perspective we kind of get tunnel vision. We're kind of like, this is all we see. And sometimes God's saying, you need a new perspective. And there's a story of a lady named Jerry. She was born in 1918 during the Spanish flu. And she survived the Spanish flu. She survived all the different wars that we had. And she even just survived COVID-19 and she's in her hundreds. And so they kind of asked her you know, for some advice. How did you get through all that? And she said, you know what? When things were hard when I felt overwhelmed and I was like kind of focused on that one thing. She says, I just took a break. I went outside and I just saw a different view. And that's a great example for all of us that sometimes when we feel that way and we're, we're having a hard time seeing God's perspective, we have the word of God. We can just turn to the word. We can start praying. We can call a friend that we know that's going to speak truth to us. And we can see a different perspective. 
We can read we'll have a Revelations. We're reading that this week and next. And Revelations 21, 3 through 4 said, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eye and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. That's something we can think about when it's really, really hard. Someday it's going to all be gone. There's going to be no more tears. There's going to be no more grief. We're going to be able to rejoice with the Lord. Amen? So a different perspective. And number four, we're going to be confident in God's provision. He's going to meet our everyday needs. It says in Matthew 6, 31 through 33, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? I'm sure we've all said those things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but, you, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs, so seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. God has supernatural provision. You know, before I had my surgery a few months ago, that was the reason I didn't even pursue it was because I said, I don't have $20,000. There's no way I can have the surgery. And I just kind of didn't even think about it. And then a pastor friend reminded us, who's your father? And not my earthly father, but my heavenly father. And I'm like, okay, I didn't even think of that. And that he's right. And I need to focus on who my father is. And he's going to provide supernaturally. Like in 1 Kings 17, we read about the widow and Elijah. God supernaturally provided the oil over and over again. And there's an example of that nowadays. There's a pastor in Ukraine. I'm not even going to say his name because I'll probably say it wrong. But um, during the war, he has a, this is crazy, he has 19 children, 19 I think he has like 10 boys and 9 girls, or it could be the, back, the opposite. But um, a few of them have already left the house. They're old enough and have their own families. But um, he just felt like, I need to do something for my community. I mean, his church is only about 40 people, and half of them are his own family. So, but he's like, there's something that we can do. And um, with, along with his wife, they began to pray, and God just told them to start baking bread. So they started making bread and just blessing the people that they you know, were close to in their church and providing for them. Well, then someone brought him a bag of flour. So they kept making more bread. And then someone brought them oil. Some people brought them a new oven. And before he knew it, they were making 160 loaves a day and just blessing the community. And with every loaf, they're also sending the gospel newspaper out with it. And so it's not just the people in his church. He's reaching the whole community. And they're at war. Those people understand that they're, you know, they don't have access to a lot of food. They don't have access to a lot of things. But what they have, they have some flour, water, and oil. They can make some bread. And they can use that to, to reach other people with the gospel. You know, it says God uses us to provide for others, just like he uses others to provide for you. And it's a beautiful circle that God uses because he wants us to be a part of it. And I know back when we lived in um, Washington, when I think Rachel, who's 16 now, she was only like four years old then, we really had, we were running a nonprofit and we had... We didn't know when our next paycheck came, so we were kind of living off of credit cards, which is a really bad thing to do, but it's the only th- option that we had, and we just kept just saying, Lord, what do we do? What do we do? And we just would see that our, our pantry was empty, our, you know, we were out of toilet paper, laundry soap, you know, just the basic things that you need, and 
I didn't want to tell my, I had my mom and dad, and they would have helped us, and they did a lot. Um, they knew we were struggling, so they would invite us over for dinner a lot and things like that. But I just, just took it to the Lord, and I said, Lord, you promised to provide. And as we just continued to pray, bags of groceries would show up on our front door, and we knew they were friends because they would knock, and we could see their car drive away. But um, our home group raised money and paid our electric bill. It was just little things that God just showed his blessing through others. And because of that, I was just encouraged to always bless others that I can't, you know, that I can do. And I love to bake. So even when we didn't have a lot of money, I had flour and I was able to bake things and I just, or make even a meal for someone. And that was my way at that time to give back to other people. And I don't know, maybe they needed that food right then. You know, I made it, instead of making a huge lasagna, I would make two little lasagnas and give one to the neighbor. And we can do little things like that. And we don't know what that person's praying for and what they need. Amen. So that kind of leads into the last point about um, what we're supposed to do with the peace. We're supposed to share it with others. And not just provision, but we're supposed to share the peace with others. So if the worship team wants to come back, I'm going to close with this point that... Um, 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. People are so full of just anxiety because of what's going on around the world, of the natural disasters. And we can share peace with them. We can share how God's given us peace. What about people are lost and without hope? And we can share the gospel we already talked about people are hungry, we can feed them. People are sick, so we can minister to them with prayer and help meet their needs physically. Maybe God's blessed you with the gift of caregiving, and you can just help people when they're, they're sick. People are shaken, they don't know what to do, and we can offer encouragement and speak truth to them. And we can also help if, you know, if you're unable to physically help, you can help with prayer. You can support ministries that do help here locally around the world. You know, there's when we supported a ministry in Haiti that was going through, you know, their, their hard times, and we were able to bless that ministry so that they could um, help the people in that community. But there's other ministries that are helping people in Ukraine and Russia. So there's so much that we can do to share with others. And, you know, I talked in the beginning about war, and I just feel like... As I'm sharing this, God keeps just reminding me that we also have a, a different kind of war. We, th we think of the outside war, but we all have a war inside of us. And you all should know what that feels like and what that, it's different for every person. But we all struggle with thoughts. We struggle with, um, you know, doubt. We struggle with insecurities that are unique to you. And God wants to say that he wants to give you peace even on those kind of wars too inside of you. And he wants to be able to calm those voices inside of you. And so this morning I'm going to invite the um, altar ministry team forward. And I just want to encourage you, if you are feeling anxious about anything, if you just, something in this message just spoke to your heart and you're saying, you know what, I need that peace. I want you to come forward and just receive prayer because God doesn't want you to live in that state, because our, our bodies aren't created to live in that kind of state for very long. Um, it's not healthy for us. And so come forward for prayer. If you need prayer for anything else, come forward. If you are you know, even just struggling with 
like I said, the wars inside, or if you're struggling with the news, like if that just makes you so sad and so broken, you just want to come forward and even just um, come together in prayer for maybe, you know, Ukraine or in, in Russia, if that's just on your heart, whatever it is, come forward for prayer. And we're going to sing a song this morning, or to end it. And I just want you to worship the Lord with a song. The name of Jesus has so much power so much power in our lives and any darkness that's in the world his light can shine through so don't ever think that something is so dark and so lost that the lord can't shine his light through it amen Amen. so altar team you may come forward i'm going to just close in prayer real quick father god i just pray right now for every single person here lord god and i just pray that your spirit will just speak to their hearts lord god number one i just ask for your comfort and your peace to overflow every person this morning, Lord God, that, um, Lord, whatever it is that they're going through, Lord God, you know, you know where they're at right now in, in their walk, Lord God, and I just pray that that you, Father God, will just to speak to them this morning, Lord God, and just bring that supernatural peace upon them, Lord God, that they can have confidence, they can stay calm, but they can also share that with others, Lord God, because there's people in their lives, Lord God, that need this message. They need to know that there's hope. They need to know that even when the future gets really, really hard, that there's, there's an eternity with Jesus that they need, Lord God. And so I just pray for every person this morning, Lord God. Let them just be encouraged by this word, Lord God, and just be set free from the bondage of anxiety, the bondage of um, not knowing what's going to happen, Lord God. And just let them just rest in you, Lord, in your name. Amen.